feels like we've done this recently. A little deja vu. A little deja vu for the kid. Um, yeah, so we had some audio issues. We got about 25 minutes in, and my connection was really bad, and it sounded awful, so we had to scrap it. We spent about an hour and a half trying to save 25 minutes of audio. It was pretty rough, but we got through it. Um, hello. Welcome into the Production Line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant. And Andy. Yeah. So, like, it's been, I think this is the longest hiatus we've actually had, like, officially from not, like, releasing an episode. It's pretty crazy to think that the last episode Grant and I just did, because this is Andy's first episode back in a, in a while, but it was before the Super Bowl happened, which feels like weeks ago at this point. Which, by the way, I mean, that's why Andy missed. He had a little Super Bowl party. How'd that go, Andy? It was all right. You know, just hung out with the boys and threw some money on uh, the Rams. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Matt Stafford. Yeah. I love it. The, the GOAT. Anyone saying now, I see a lot of stuff online saying like, oh, he won finally because he's a good team. Like, it's taking away from him. He's like, shut up. He's an elite quarterback. Matt Stafford slander will not stand on this podcast, at least. Are we a football? We're a, we're a football only podcast now. It's well, true. We are. Hold on, though. The Rams won because they got Matt Stafford. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it goes both ways. Like, he needs someone to throw to, but they also need someone to get them the damn ball. So it's unfortunate, you know. We can't bet on football the rest of the year. But a quick word from our show sponsor uh, and friends of Inside the Rink, Bet US. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah, they do need to update that. Uh, we don't. I mean, you can do futures on the NFL, but obviously the season's over. Um, yeah, great game, though. I fully enjoyed it. I mean, that was probably like the third full game I watched all year. Halftime show was great. I don't know. What did you guys think about it? Uh, I feel like we talked about this last episode. No? I don't think we did. I'm pretty sure we did. No, it was yesterday. <laughs> we tried recording. <laughs> no, like I'm 90% sure we talked about this in the last episode. Me and you did, Garth. No, we didn't. The Super Bowl? The Super Bowl didn't happen when we recorded last time. You guys recorded yeah, we before did. the Super Bowl. Oh, we, we recorded the Super Bowl. We <laughs> recorded before. I'm losing it. Yeah, we, you're losing it because we had this conversation last time, but like I wanted to have a nuanced conversation about it, like just because we couldn't put it out the last episode, but we can skip past it, I suppose. All to say, I love the halftime show. It was great. I think everyone should have loved it. 50 Cent hanging upside down for way too long in his age was hilarious. Um, Eminem was great. Dr. Dre was still killing on the keyboard. Who doesn't love Snoop Dogg? I can keep going. It was great. Um, but yeah, we had a fun week to talk about for sure. Uh, we have two games that happened. One fun, but not good. And another one surprising, but good. Uh, we also have an article to talk, to, to talk about that I wrote that uh, got some mixed reactions and trade deadlines coming up so yeah all the fun stuff coming in for the red wings uh but yeah game 50 we played minnesota 
uh, Jamel and Giovanni debuted together. And little did they know that I mean, they did play another game together, I should say. But still, they Javon or Jamel, excuse me, got put on waivers literally. What was it, Thursday last week? Uh, I think so. Something like that. I think so, yeah. yeah late I mean, either way. Yeah. Uh, it, it was fun while it lasted. I love how everyone on like Red Wings Twitter is like, watch Tampa Bay claim them. And of course, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun while it lasted. Um, Obviously, Jamel's not nothing of substance, really. Like, he was fourth-line depth, depth. Like, he was the 13th, 14th forward. And with guys like Carter Rowney being healthy again, Jacob Verana nearing a return, roster spots need to open up. And, I mean, that's just – he's the easiest, right? Uh, but, yeah, it was a co- cool story, though. I mean, I did, the first Red Wings brothers played together since Frank and Pete Mahovlich, which I forget that Frank Mahovlich actually played for the Red Wings. I think of him as like a Maple Leaf back in the day. Yeah, same like, here. Way back in the day. So obviously we weren't around, but still, I, like when I think of him, that's what I think of. I think he's like, I'm pretty sure in NHL, he had like, he's like one of the hot all star like icons. And he was like in a Maple Leaf jersey. So that's probably what I'm thinking of. Uh, but overall, yeah, the Red Wings lost 7 3. Uh, Trevor Thompson, though, back in the booth for a second game in a row. Uh, I thought he did great. Subbing in for Ken, Ken Daniels. Yeah, he did a pretty solid job for not doing it all the time. Uh, that's a tough, very tough job to get into and just hop right in. So, I mean, pretty impressive by him. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, for, for guys, usually like a sideline reporter, he did pretty well. I mean, it's not easy. Remember, like, remembering names and keeping up with pace of play and stuff. So, I enjoyed it. It wasn't the worst thing that I've ever seen, so. Heard. Yeah, I did. The, yeah, like I'd say, like the my critique of his first game, which I shouldn't be critiquing at all, but I'm going to. He was a little quiet, but then he would like get really loud for the like the goals. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked how he said he wanted. He told Dylan Larkin personally that he wanted to call one of his goals, and he said that on the goal call, which was really cool. When Dylan Larkin scored only a minute and a half in, uh, really good play by Sider to step up, and obviously, yeah, Dylan Larkin kind of comes in, Jordy Ben takes a tumble, which I think was the hockey God's way of getting him, getting Jamie Ben back for what he did to Larkin. It was just like a, the universe writing, writing a wrong. And then obviously Larkin uh, dances around Kakanen. That was the start of his seventh game. It was the sixth game in the point streak, but now it's up to seven, but man, Larkin's on one this year. Scary. is scary hours for other teams. I love how like poorly our takes have gotten from and like Red Wing fans is a collective, but I mean we did we did put out the question of is he more like is he just a really good second line center? And now he's just a, he's a really good first line center. Well, it depends how you look at it. Like we were looking at it at a case of last year, he was playing on a line with Philip Zadina and Bobby Ryan a lot of the season, or whoever was plugged in on his wings. He had a different winger every game damn near and made him look a lot worse than he actually is and his stats are there to show it from last year compared to this year this year he's been playing with good players all season long doesn't matter who's playing that first line on the left side but it's been Raymond on his right side the whole year yeah it really makes a difference having really good wingers I think my favorite combo of last year that we saw was Matias Brome and Giovanni Smith on his wing 
Yeah, literally. That's the there that you was go. A, That's a perfect yeah. example of why his production was down last year. Matias Brome, as good looking he as he was, not a great hockey player in That's the NHL. Four, fourth place Olympian. That's right. Yeah, Sweden. <laughs> Him yeah. and Jacob De La Rose. <laughs> There's so many Red Wings le- legends in the Olympics. We could talk about that maybe at the end. But <laughs> that's hilarious. There was so much, so much good stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty crazy first period. I mean, we had Gus Lindstrom scoring right after, which, man, I was so happy for Gus. It was his first pro goal. And it just goes further to point, my point that he's the second best defenseman on the team. He's now, he's now, repla- he's now replacing, he's bringing offense. What else do you need? Yeah, we should run him on the first power play unit quarterback i think be a cider <laughs> yeah cider who smell yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it was a really good play though i mean bertuzzi made the play around the, along the wall there was bodies in front and lindstrom just like found a hole and just shot it through it was a really good play um yeah uh i was feeling pretty good it was like less than five minutes in i'm pretty sure right it was two nothing yeah it was like 440 or something like that I yeah. wasn't feeling good. Minnesota's way too streaky. Like they can score in bunches. Oh yeah, D- Dean Evison, aka Creed Bratton, back there was looking a little upset, and I'm like, this is where things are. He does bad. look like Creed Bratton. Exactly the same. You can't I've, convince me. I've never even seen that before. Like, it's so distracting when I watch Minnesota play and they pan to the bench because I just start laughing and think of Creed, and like, like I follow on like Instagram. I follow like. Uh, the office clips and then it always shows like create highlights of like how he just sets the scene like as a background character and i just think of dean edmondson or i think of like creed when i see dean edmondson the whole time like i can't <laughs> stop but laughing and why have i never heard that before i'm pretty sure it's been said quite a bit yeah, i think they brought I'm, it up I, i'm sure i'm pretty sure it's spitting chicklets spitting chicklets brought it up when they interviewed the guys in minnesota they're talking about how like Polino and spurgeon was yeah it? they're talking about so social media like i guess the beginning of the year they were calling him creed and Evans Evison turned it down. Like he said, no, that's enough. Like he put it into it pretty quick. So he doesn't like being called it. But I think it's funny. Yeah, personally. It's that's like the whole Bruce there it is chant. Like last night I was watching the game and I think the Knox went up 4-2 against Seattle. And all of a sudden I was like, what is Billing saying? And then they were just going nuts for Brucey. I guess I guess there's a I was listening to Jeff Merrick about the Bruce Bruce thing, and I guess like he was like Bruce Bruce is messing around, he likes it. Yeah, there's no way he doesn't like it. I would Bruce, love that. Bruce yeah. sounds like he's the biggest goofball of a coach from like hearing stories. I think it was was it like TJ Oshie was on Chicklets a while ago and he was talking about having him and a couple other guys from the Minnesota group. Yeah, talking about having him and just like uh or and not, who else was it? It was like Shane O'Brien was on his podcast. And he was talking, he's like, he had him for a bit. He goes, like he was in, came into camp with like ten pounds overweight or something like that. When there are, whenever Bruce got there, he was like ten pounds overweight. He goes, yeah. He goes, weight's not coming off in the summers like they used to. He goes, tell me about it. And just smashed like a chicken <laughs> burger or something like that. <laughs> just super laid back. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Boudreaux, uh noted uh, extra in slap shot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. He was a good player. They use it. Use They use his apartment. That's right. They did. They did. They did use his apartment. It's crazy. Um. But yeah, back to this game. Uh, really good rookie battle. I mean, Cider played 26 minutes this game. Raymond scored. You know, someone else scored three goals and had an assist on the other team. Another first uh, career hat trick for the Wings. Yeah, I. 
yeah we can get to that in a second actually no it's not yeah i want to talk about the first career hat trick thing like in recent memory i could like list a bit pew suitor against the red wings uh rocco grimaldi uh what's uh, the australian strom strom walker was Scott walker? walker nathan walker yeah. nathan walker or nathan walker Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Scott Walker is pretty old. Um, but yeah, and then obviously Matt Boldy. It's it's so funny. I think the Red Wings, I think someone put out a graph. I think it was Prashant Iyer. He put up a graph. I think the Red Wings were like, they've given out the second most first career, or first, second most hat tricks since like 2010, which is crazy to think about. Um, yeah, they definitely lead the league in most first career hat tricks over the last three years. Has to be. It's not even close. Um, yeah, Matt Boldy. He might be okay at hockey. Dude, he's disgusting. I know, Grant, you said – I think it was – was it last episode? I don't know. I've always been on the Boldy hype train. No one ever listens to me, so I don't even care anymore. And now everyone's trying to juice him, so I'm off the Boldy hype train. Don't care anymore. I, I, say, I watch him because of you. <laughs> I watch him – I literally watch Minnesota because, A, they're exciting again this year, but, like, to watch Matt Boldy because of you. Yeah. I'm no, he's, I'm no longer on the Matt Boldy fan page. I'm, yeah, I gotta talent. find someone new to uh, hype up, and then they're gonna really be re, be really successful. Just switch so to the other. For my, switch to the other guy in just, Minnesota. Go to Marco Rossi. No, I'm not on. I'm not as huge about Marco Rossi. Here, I'll give you one that's gonna make the NHL next year. Uh, Elmer Soderblom. There you go. <laughs> we talked. We talked about him at the end, but uh, man. Matt Boldy, I, I don't know what who he reminds me of because he's such a – he's a big player, but he's able to, like – he skates pretty well, and he's able to make plays, like, really in tight, and he has really slick hands and is a good finisher. Um, That that play on Mark Stahl where he sent Mark Stahl to the moon and then sniped Ned up close, that was, oh, that was so nice. I really don't think he reminds me of anybody. Like That's what I'm saying. Like, I couldn't think – go ahead. Okay, like, to me, like – Obviously, I think he has more skill, but with the way he's like the big body and the speed, it's almost like Greenway in Minnesota when he first came in, like when he was playing at the World Juniors, and then when he first broke into the NHL a little bit. But obviously, I think he has more skill than he did than Greenway did when he first came in the league. That's like yeah, it's the fair. only like you know what I mean just how he has that speed and uses his size, which Greenway is bigger than he is because he kind of swapped like the the weight, I guess I'd say the muscle mass for the skill off on each other but it's almost similar in that sense like very i guess very loosely in a way but when, he, right. when greenway first broke in he was i feel like pretty good just almost scoring. like the only name that really comes to my head is like the way how Corey perry was so good and tight or has been so good and tight his whole career that's a good that's a good comparison i feel like Corey perry is the only comparison i can come up with though like they both have so much skill or perry had so much skill still does both even get even get even gets laugh too though yeah yeah like both both those guys like i mean they played kind of similar when they're both in their primes they were able to dominate physically but also could like skate pretty well and just the ability to make nothing out of something in such tight spaces like even like a rick nash he was super good at making nothing out of something in tight spaces as such a big body like and boldy's a pretty big frame Mm -hmm. yeah he's gotta be like six three like he's a big yeah um, yeah, obviously, yeah, hat trick this game. The other two on the power play, which Minnesota's power play lit us up. Did you see and, the stats with, with Boldy on the power play now? Uh, I no, I haven't. 
Is I it crazy? I think their power play was doing really bad at the start of the year, and then Boldy came on. And I think it's 40% since he's came on the team and became my first power player. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I haven't watched oh. – I haven't watched Minnesota too much this year. Um, like I try to, I watch, I try to watch a little bit because they're exciting. But I saw, I, I looked at their stats before, and Minnesota had like an eighteen percent going into this game, power play wise. It's not much better than Detroit's because Detroit's now up to like a little over seventeen. So I was like, okay, like maybe we can, maybe it should be like a close game. You know, five on five is going to decide this game, right? No, 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 no. Matt Boldy said other, otherwise. Matt Boldy did say otherwise. Um, I know Grant loves like obviously Zuccarello was like one of Grant's favorite players of all time, and I really like he's, watching him he too. He still is. He's so much fun, and like I can't help but think of Jonathan Bergeron when I watch Zuccarello play. I think Bergeron plays a little bit different, where he's able to like use his speed a little bit more. Uh, Bergeron plays a quicker pace, faster pace, where Zuccarello plays like a very slow and calm game. Uh, I know I've brought up. I love bringing up Henrik Zetterberg, but he almost plays a Henrik Zetterberg-esque, like slow pace, make plays, have good vision type of game. And he plays with an electric Kirill Kaprizov on his side, so it really can complement his game very well. Uh, I love the way he plays, and he's a guy that I think has fabulous vision. And like you said, Bergeron is a pretty solid comparison to him with vision. Uh, He can see the ice so well making plays. Maybe not the best defensively right now. And same with Zook. I mean, but Bergeron is, he's got that vision that Zook has in my eyes. I just think Bergeron plays a little bit of a faster pace game than Zook. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely for sure. Um, but yeah, like I think like overall, like our big guys played well besides Ned, which I'm starting to, he's on a bit of a, he's on a cold streak. Uh, obviously eight, 18 saves out of 24 shots is not good. Um, hard to blame him on all the goals, but again, if you want to be an elite goalie, you have to make saves that you're not expected to make. So it's definitely, it's tough. I think Blash, I'll talk about it today because someone, I, I forget who asked him about Ned. And he said, well, yeah, Ned wants to be better and we need to be better as a team also. So I kind of agree, and I, I do – like, I've talked about this before. I do appreciate how Blaschel um, doesn't tear guys down when they're obviously in a bit of a slump. He builds them up, and he's like, well, everyone can be better around. Like, it's not just him. And I, I do like that. I think that leads to more success instead of, like, you know what, this guy's playing bad. We should treat him as such. You know? Well, especially with young – like, such a young group. I mean, if you have a veteran, kind of like how Prezi was last year in Minnesota where obviously they didn't – the coaching staff there didn't think he was up to snuff. Yeah, okay, scratch him and kind of call him out on the carpet a little bit. But with such a young group, yeah, it's, it's nice to see the Blashels kind of – he's, like, letting them know that their game's not up to a par, but he's also not giving them complete blame, like kind of like how Koskinen got in Edmonton a while back, you know, just thrown under the bus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried over, like, I'm not worried, like, long-term. I'm just like, hopefully he can get out of this. And, uh, luckily Grice is picking up the slack a little bit and hopefully he can get on a hot streak. I mean, we've alluded to before, like how hot he can get at the end of a season. And it seems like he's kind of in that right now. Grice, the uh, back half of the season goalie. It's just what he it is. is. He is. It's going to feed, it's going to feed into our discussion later in the episode, but, uh, 
Yeah, uh, Larkin, like, he became the third Red Wings player in, tw- in the past 25 years to have 25 goals and 25 assists in his first 50 games of the season, which only Zetterberg and Shanahan did that the past 25 years, which with those super teams, you, like, it's kind of like a very specific stat, but also it kind of, like, when you have, like, those super teams in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s, you would think, like, a couple guys each year would have done it. Yes, like, Federoff, Federoff like, and Eisman. Yeah, but like the super teams in the late 90s, like everyone was scoring at least 50, like not like not everyone was having 100 point seasons, but everyone was having like 50 to 60 point seasons. So, like, there was lots of depth there. And yeah. basically, they had three first lines. And, and yeah, Luke, Robita- Luke Robitaille wasn't on the fourth line at one point, right? Which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, but I mean, as long as we get rookie points, I mean, at this in this year, it's good. Uh, obviously, Luke, Lucas Raymond scored in the power play. Which is really nice. He, I really liked – he finally wasn't stationary when he was shooting. I liked how he kind of, like, came up a little bit and then skated into the one-timer, which is really nice. He got a lot on it. Um, really nice pass by Larkin, too. Got to love that. Uh, but, yeah, like, tough loss. But, again, Minnesota's a great team. I mean, a lot of defensive issues. But, again, that's been the, the norm for the team this year. Um, yeah, but that leads into game 51 versus New York. And Mark Stahl first came back at the Garden. Uh, his two biggest fans were there, uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya. So that was cool of them to show up. I want to know, like, so Tom Holland, I think it was his first game he's ever been to, at least like, publicly we know. And a guy, like, getting honored at Madison Square Garden. Does he think, like, like Mark Stahl, like, is the best player of all time? It's like getting the standing, oh. stand, standing ovation from these people. And, like, he has no idea. I didn't, I didn't think about it, but I feel like Mark Stahl could be – Go down is one of the best of all time. The best <laughs> style of all time. True. The deep, the deep visor. Uh, yeah. Tinted. That's what that's what I'm sure that uh what's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Sorry. I'm not like a what is he? Spider-Man? Yeah, I'm not a yeah. Spider-Man guy. Uh but <laughs> you can probably, he probably thinks that uh he's the best of all time. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Also the Red Wings have had, like, I hope that now, like, Tom Holland is like, oh, the Rangers lost. The Red Wings are, yeah, I'm not a Red Wings fan. Because, like, Daniel Radcliffe, a.k.a. Harry Potter, is a Red Wings fan. So, I'm like, well, maybe just all of the high-level UK actors can become Red Wings fans. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, what was that? I said that'd be unreal. Okay, yeah. You, big UK following. That'd be hilarious. Um, yeah, fun game, though, for the, against the Rangers. Uh, one in overtime. It was 3-2, wasn't it? Yeah. Or no, one in a shootout. They one in a shootout. Dummy. You're losing it. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, losing yeah. it. Yeah, the shootout. Uh, but yeah, Thomas Grice is the new Jimmy Howard. Not much else to say about that. Just dominates in the MSG and against the Rangers. I don't like, I know, like, we, we kind of talked about it the, in the recording that got lost, but uh, Grice 3 0 in his career at MSG, now 4 0. And then uh, I think he's 6 0 1 with the 930 save percentage against the Rangers. Roughly. I'm I'm doing my math quick. Crazy though. He was unbelievable this game. There was multiple three on ones this game. Roughly pretty close together. I'm pretty sure it was like a minute apart. Maybe now nah, maybe not a minute apart. Maybe two minutes apart. But the one Heronic made a good play on. And then the other one, Zabanja, almost scored backdoor, and Grice barely got – he got barely got a skate on it. 
which was really lucky. Um, but he was great. I think he a total like it was thirty six out of thirty eight. He had. I'm could be off by a couple shots there. Ballpark um, area. Yeah. Again, we just kind of like he's a second half goalie, and he's kind of just coming to his own. I mean, this is second like second game back from a long COVID break, and he's looked great both games. Um, we had Stetcher get his first of the year. My boy. Really greasy goal, but you gotta love it. I love seeing him back on the ice. I miss him. Missed him. Sorry. Me too. Me too. Uh, I'm trying to. Remember. It was yeah, Adam Ernie getting on the assist there, and it was gonna go. It was gonna go wide, but it went off Zach Jones. I actually like Zach Jones a lot. I think he's a good player for the Rangers. Yeah, I fell in love with this game watching the college hockey championship. What was it? Two years ago, or is it last him playing year? For- him play for UMass? Yeah. Last year. That that was last year. Yeah, he signed uh, after he I signed after he was this he was disgusting in that game. Him and Mark Delgazio. And I think he's a Nashville prospect. Yep. Those guys were both sick. Yeah, I mean UMass has had like really good success like producing defensemen. I mean, obviously you have Kale McCarr and you also have Mario Ferraro who also went there too. They've done a really good yeah. job produce, producing defense. Uh yeah, really weird game. I mean, the Rangers, I think, in the league are one of the worst teams to start a game. I'm pretty sure it's a stat. And everything's come out early with a one nothing lead. Um, I want to talk about Dylan Larkin, though. Uh, obviously, he scores in this game. Really interesting play. I know a lot of people on Twitter were joking about Dan DeKaiser missing the, missing the net, and then it happens to go to Larkin. It was, I think, it was, I think it, was a, it was an intentional play. Like, he's done it before. Uh, I don't know that he has done it before. I'm pretty sure he has. I think, I think we're getting that mixed up with Cromwell because Cromwell used to do it all the time. Well, that's what I was going to kind of type in and say, like, it just remind me of old classic style Joe, Joe, Joe Lewis Arena goal. Like, because, well, the thing is, they used to do it in the Joe because the boards were notably bouncy. Right. I don't think it's notably bouncy in Madison Square Garden. Maybe it is. It's an old, it's an old barn, though. You know what I mean? Like, it could maybe, be. but I, I, Highly doubt that DeKaiser meant to do that on purpose. Either way, he was looking for a stick because uh, I'm trying to remember who was in front there. There was, I think it was, it was either Zadina or Raymond that were in front that was right about to tip it. So he just missed their stick. So either you want to look at it, it was an intentional play. He didn't just miss the net. Uh, but yeah, Larkin was able to get the rebound off of Vicious Sturkin, wasn't ready for it. And I mean, Dylan Larkin made that play. And then in overtime, which was, I thought, the play of the game. Uh, Shesterkin full out sends it up the ice to Panarin and Larkin fakes to go one way that he's going to attack his stick. Panarin protects the puck and then Larkin goes back and gets a stick on it in time and saves a goal, which that's some captain stuff right there yep. at the end of it, at the end of a shift too. That play by Shesterkin was disgusting. It was so nice. He's so good, man. Yeah. So good. I think he's, I think he's what he's in 939 this season. Yeah, he should win the best now. He little, could win the heart. He fact. could win the heart. He could win the heart this year. Yeah, I don't think the Rangers would be a playoff team without him. To be honest, kind of a hot take, but if you look at if you look at their where they give up most of their chances, the Rangers they're all like in the slot area, and they like yeah. that's where they give up most of their chances, and they wouldn't like Shesterkin bails them out. He's so athletic. Little little fun fact: I actually watched Shesterkin live uh, before. Like he was playing, I don't know. They played 
he's playing midget hockey. So like U18s, um, back in the day, the student North stars is what the, like Sioux Ontario AAA team was. They hosted a Russian team and he was their starting goalie. I had no clue about this until my buddy texted me like a week ago saying, he's like, Shesterkin was on that team when they played, like they came and played the North stars. I was like, Oh, I was like, that makes sense why he had three shutouts in a row. You know, that's to think about. Like that's yeah. weird that like you run in you run into like what would be now one of the best one of like probably I'd say the top top three goal in the NHL right now. Right. Yeah. And, like I had I had no clue. Like obviously like they were, they were a Russian team, so we went to go watch because what else is there to do? My one buddy texted me, uh, messaged me about like a week or so ago actually. <clears throat> excuse me, saying that his buddy, uh, his so yeah his friend's older brother played on the team and was talking about it. And I was like, oh, fun fact, didn't know that. Cool. That's really that's a really cool story. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, obviously, Shesterkin a couple nights ago, he tried to go for the empty netter too against Ottawa, and just missed. I'm sure. Sick. I, I'm sure Ned's now fired up. He wants to go for it now. He, he needs to get it first. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, Ned needs to start making saves before he goes to an empty net. So. I agree. I agree. No, that's fair. I mean, if you can't stop him, might as well help help out in the offense. <laughs> true. Oh. True. That's true. I'll win a game. I'll win a game seven five. And Ned gets the seventh. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh yeah, let's talk about other good performances. I think Cider again dominated. I mean, with the reverse hit on Kreider was hilarious. We totally baited him too. He, he was completely looking <laughs> up ice, and Kreider was like, I'm just gonna hit him. Cider absolutely unloads into him. Hilarious. I think he played like, Cider. I mean, obviously it was overtime, but 27 minutes. I sent you guys that tweet. I'm going to read it right now. It was from Prashant Iyer. Again, I reference him probably every episode at this point. Uh, but it was highest average time on ice for rookies 20 or, or younger since the NHL started tracking it in 97-98. Sider currently sits fifth at 22, almost 23 minutes, only behind Heiskin, Jonas Brody, and Tyler Myers, and Drew Doughty. And he'll probably catch Heiskin in at this rate by the end of the year at least, if not Brody, for over 23 minutes, just how much he gets used it only, it's only going up at this point. Right. Because he's the number one defenseman. Because at the beginning of the year, he was playing roughly like 20 minutes or so. But now he's – if you look at his ice time, it's, it's 23, 24 above every night. So that average is only going to keep going up. As it should uh, be. Cider now 11 points his past 12 games too. Like, I, don't, I don't know. This it, it sounds like a Calder trophy to me. I don't know. It's, it seems a little silly at this point. Hashtag Cole Caulfield's year. Honestly, at this point, though, hashtag Habs year. Habs year. Habs are back, baby. The meme of the the meme of Marty San Luis thighs crushing the maple leaf that I sent last night in the chat was so funny. Was to was that uh, Pete Black Blackburn that tweeted that? It was. He has some good ones like that. He has some good ones. So good, man. He's on it. Love it. Um. Yeah, I thought like. I thought the whole top line for the Red Wings played really well. I thought Zadina was moving good. And again, like the points are going in, which is just like the age oldest time. Oh my God, the take oldest time at this point. I can't talk. With this season, uh, I think the past four games, he's got one point, which, you know, not great. But again, I think he's playing better. And he looks like he has more confidence. I thought Fabry, besides the one play, the beginning of the, the beginning of the game, the first shift where he almost scored, where he danced Lindgren, and then Shisterkin made that pad save. Like, it was like 45 seconds in. That was so I thought gross. He, I thought he had a pretty poor game. I didn't like what I saw. He took a dumb penalty late, which was the end of a power play, I'm pretty sure, which ended the power play. And I think that's what ended up 
I'm if I'm not mistaken, the Zabanajad power play goal that led to that one. I'm pretty sure. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I so, can't quite remember, but it sounds right. It sounds right. Yeah. Um again, it's just like I, I like Fabry, but he's had a, he has a bad habit of taking penalties and inopportune times. And it's like again, whatever. I know he's not a good defensive player either, and he gets caught sometimes with he's either pulling on jerseys or he's sticking his leg out a little too far. Um, but I mean, obviously, offensively, he makes up for his deficiencies defensively for sure. Uh, yeah, that was that was that game. I mean, oh, I guess we talked about the shootout too. Uh, Lucas Raymond is now fifty percent in the shootout, uh, and then Pew Suter. Going rips it over Shesterkin's uh, pad under the blocker. Perfect shot right off the post. The best part of the shootout, though, was Ryan Strom going in, Grice missing the poke check, and then Grice kind of hooking Strom's stick on the way back, and then Strom missing a wide open net, and then Grice kind yeah, of yeah, what a baby, shoulders. what a baby yeah. complaining about that. You are such a softy. Like you're complaining about that when you can't hit an open net. I don't care if your stick gets lifted at all. Like, is that even, is that like a, is that a penalty? Like, can you not do that as a goalie? It was, it was a poke check in his stick poked Strom stick. No, it's not a penalty. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, hit, hit the net. Quit crying. Quit crying. You're I almost dropped Strom off my fantasy team after I saw him bitching about that, complaining about that. I story. would have dropped him. <laughs> I almost did. I was like, this is a joke. Like, and first of all, you missed the net. Like I, I was, what I was more mad about at first. And then I see him, I see the camera pan to him and he's sitting there. Just crying about it all the whole way back. And then when he's back on the bench, he's still complaining about it. He's just shaking his head. Yeah, I'm like, that's a normal play. Like, I mean, you had Grice bite big time. And you had a six by four frame to put the puck in and you didn't do it. That's just all on you. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Is it as embarrassing though as the Red Wings continually parading Adam Ernie out as the second shooter in the power yes. shootout? Or third shooter. Uh arguable so i'm mixed on that because i hate adam ernie in the shootout but last year he's he scored in like three shootouts because he was our second guy to go to last year because we had no one else to go to (laughs) and he would come through so like this year i'm i started off like complaining about it but i understand why blash was throwing him out there he's like he's been reliable to him but now it's just getting more and more embarrassing because he tries something new every time and it looks horrible Really wait the least on that. I'm gonna really screw up this word, but aesthetically, 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 yeah. uh, <laughs> it's the it's the least aesthetic. I can't say it. Aesthetic, uh, aesthetic, aesthetic. aesthetic uh, sound like little pump. Seen. You sound like little yeah. pump. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Is Adam Ernie take a shootout? Yeah, uh, there's there's so many guys. Like obviously, like. I think Zadina should be getting more chances as a shooter. I mean, I obviously like. I think he needs the confidence. If he can pull one in, that'd be great. Why is not? I don't Cider in this shoot. Why is Cider not Zidina going? Because si- have you seen Cider on a breakaway? No, he doesn't get many. <laughs> exactly, and when he's on him, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, this but a breakaway, whole... and a sh- okay. a breakaway and a shootout no, are a little bit different. This is my whole thing with defensemen and shootouts. There's certain defensemen that are good at shootouts, and then there's certain ones that are not. I last year. Uh, this might just be because it's last year, but the amount of times I saw Cider on like a half breakaway and just put it into the chest was horrendous. <laughs> like I love his game, but he's not a shootout player. You and know this- you you know who used to be sick in the shootout as a defenseman? Philip Peronic. In the AHL, it was nasty in the shootout. Yeah, he was. 
you know, one thing I like the whole Adam Ernie shootout thing, there's so many other guys I'd rather see. And this goes to say, like, I'd rather see Dan DeKaiser in the shootout. At this uh, point, I don't know about that. Dan DeKaiser is a wild card. My wild card would be Mark Stahl and his return Mark, to MSG. Mark Stahl. We get, we get would, he goes, he goes in between the legs and we get a Merrick Malik moment again. Except it's, it's the other way around. Like the Rangers lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I want. That's what I would have went with in the third round. And it. I think I would have started yeah. off with them, but yeah. Or that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but fun game. Obviously a big win against a big, like a really big team. And yeah, like I kind of hinted, like I kind of talked about him a little bit there, but uh, Phil Peronic, I wrote an article that was, let's say, you know, mixed reaction from the fan base, which I don't know. Like at this point, I, I guess I kind of get it. If you don't like really dive into the numbers, you could be like, well, he puts up points, which he does, but defensively he's a huge liability. And I, Grant and I kind of had a conversation about it, um, but he's just – He's unreliable defensively. You kind of saw it in this game where he made the one really good play on the three-on-one there. We broke it up. But then another play later, Grant, I'm not, Grant, I don't know if you remember this. He haphazardly throws it up the boards and it ends up going back. And that's where Grice made that late toe save on Chris Kreider to keep the game tied. That was heroic throwing it up the boards with nobody there. So I have... I have a thing where, like, I really dive into d- defensemen and the way they handle themselves in the D zone. And Heronic is one of the worst under-pressure defensemen I think I've watched in the last two years. His panic levels are so high where he's so jittery when he gets put under little pressure. Like, if you watch Cider this year, it's incredible what he does under pressure and makes it look like he's not under pressure as well where half the t- situations that Cider's in compared to Heronic, they will be, I would say 75% of the situations Cider puts himself in are turnovers from Heronic because Cider is willing to put himself in the risky situations because he knows he, he knows he can make a play from it. And it looks really nice. I, I just have issues with Heronic because I don't see him as a fit in, on the decor in the future, right? He puts up, Decent production, five on five, but his li- him being a liability defensively takes away from that production and is almost worse than putting up production. Because I think you can fill, fill that role of production defensively pretty easily. Not Maybe not pretty easily, but you can refill it. Maybe not quite as good, but to be reliable defensively as well, I think you can make up for that. And him being a power play guy, there isn't a whole lot of room for him on the power play in Detroit in my eyes. And I think if your plan is to put him at second QB when it, when or if Letty gets traded, I see that as a spot that could be gone in the next year or a year after that. So I, I really question whether or not Verona could be or is a fit in Detroit, and I honestly don't see it. It's just when – or and for what yeah i mean you you see teams with guys that are specifically offensive minded like on defense and they make you know their fifth or sixth defenseman they play 15 or 16 minutes night and that works but they also don't make four million dollars over four million dollars i should say at this point 
It's too much money. You're committed for him to be a top four defenseman. Okay. So then it goes in and I hear the argument on like, so like obviously I put the articles up on Facebook and whatnot, but then I hear the argument of, well, it's not the right partner and stuff. Like it's just bad defense. I literally looked at most guys without Philip Peronic. There's a tool you can use on natural stat trick where you can see their expected goals against without a, like you can see with and without Mark Stahl's numbers without Philip Peronic are near 50%, which is where you want to be. That's average. With Philip Peronic, they go down to like 40%, which is not good. So like just for him, for example, because that's the pairing that's been going on for a while now. And it's affecting Mark Stahl's game because Mark Stahl's an absolute wild card this year for randomly for no reason. And it works out most of the time when you can have someone that's backing him up, like a Gus Lindstrom or something like that. But with Phil Peronic, who's also a wild card and not usually efficient efficiently, it comes back to bite you in the ass. Um, but I was using, I use the analytic uh, evolving hockey's tool for uh, goals above replacement and I was using even strength defense, like how much they're worth. And Philip Ronick's minus still. And I was getting I, – I got in a heated discussion with someone about how I'm not factoring in the whole thing. I'm not factoring in his total defense. The other defense that gets factored in is his power play defense, which I don't know if you're aware, on a power play, you're playing five on four, which you don't do a whole lot of defending. So obviously your impacts are going to be positive. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And go to go on to the power play thing that Grant brought up where he's going to fit, he's a non-option as a power play Q- QB. We saw it last year. He's not efficient at all. He rushes passes. He shoots into shins. He's kind of like Michael Samuelson if Michael Samuelson played defense. And, <laughs> and to back off that, like, that's just a thing. And you can't fit him in on the half wall either now with Rana coming back. So Letty, if Letty gets traded, I think Osterley is a better fit on the second unit. Or hell, literally anyone. I I'm down to throw Raymond Gus. on the SQB. You can For throw Gus. anyone back there. Yeah, Gus. I I don't care. And Gus is not a power play quarterback. But right. I I always think about. I don't know. It's just the two time Stanley Cup champions back to back. I I love to look at their defense and how they their defensive build is. Right. You got two horses in Headman and uh, McDonough, and that like. You can compare that, I guess, kind of to Cider and Edvinson coming in. And then you have, like, your kind of wild card, as in Sergachev. And that's a player we don't have yet. You can make the argument, okay, Hironik's at wild card. Hironik is not near Sergachev. The upside is nowhere close to Sergachev. And I would say Sergachev has a reliable partner that can back him up all, all times, usually. But then you can compare, like, Chernak, who I think is incredible, to maybe Gus Lindstrom in the future. There's there's things you want in a defensive core, and I don't see Heronic as something that I want in Detroit in the core. And every draft that Eisman has done has not been guys like Philip Heronic either. No. You know what I mean? Like all defensemen that he's drafted are not very – like they're not similar to him. And Grant made a comment earlier about how like, okay, you can replace his offense – and also that that offense will be replaced, and if not, be, be like be better. It's so like let's say you lose Heronic, right? You have to replace that. But then you're also getting rid of guys like Dan DeKaiser and Mark Stahl and Jordan Osterley and Nick Letty over time, and defensemen who are younger, like guys like Edmondson, Johansson, and Jared McIsaac, maybe even this year, who's proving to be very good in GR. 
those are all guys who can put up pretty respectable numbers and like offensively that'll make up for that and also not be like defensive liabilities. And also for a second unit on the power play, like you don't need a, like you look at Boston's power play, for example, Matt Grizzlick's not a guy that puts up a ton of points, but he's just efficient the way he moves the puck. Yep. He's a good skater and he moves the puck fast. And I think that's what I kind of see in Jared, Jared McIsaac when he's running in Grand Rapids. He doesn't take a lot of time to make a decision. Yeah, I really like the way he runs a power play. Like your two guys there that are running it are Murphy and McIsaac, where Murphy's really dynamic offensively as an AHL producer. And McIsaac's just very steady with moving it and moves it quick and snaps it around. My concern is like, if we do move Heronic by this before the start of next year, let's say it's at the draft or this deadline, we're in a a lot of openings on defense. We're gonna have a lot of them, like because because next year we're gonna have, or even at the deadline, let's say we traded Letty and Cider. Those are spots you have to fill. Letty and Heronic, you mean? Or Letty and yeah, Letty and Heronic. But even like Stetcher is a UFA after this year, right? Right. And he's been a sixth and seventh defenseman. It's just those spots make it really interesting having Heronic playing so poorly. And as me, I see him as a wild card to get traded at the deadline or during the draft, to be honest with you. Good, Andy. Yeah. So, like, looking forward to next year. A guy I'd like to see them try to take a stab at. Like, I threw it in a group chat, one of our group chats we had. And I don't know if it's, like, biased because it's, like, a local guy. But he plays in Buffalo, Colin Miller. So, obviously, his stats in Buffalo aren't good. That goes towards – that's just Buffalo, right? But, like, when he was brought over to Vegas, he ran their power play, too. He can finally kill. He has a little bit of everything. So, like, like, like he's an old – well, he's going to be – he's a 92, so he's going to be 30 this year. Sign him for a two- or three-year deal. I'd prefer two probably at like three, three and a half. That's what he's making right now. I think is three and a half. Just for, maybe for a filler and like if it works out, because he can be, he's a guy that can play on the power play. He does have defensive game when he is put with the right pairing, which a lot of defense are like that. Like besides number one's defenses, defensemen, sorry. But he's also a guy that can kind of penalty kill and stuff too. Like, like I said, I don't know if it's biased because like I like watching him because he's a local guy, like, I grew up watching him all the way through his uh, career, but he's someone I, he, I think he gets overlooked a lot because like, well, where he is right now, like in Buffalo, but he's a guy I wouldn't mind the wings, at least trying to take a stab at for the right price for a short term, a short deal with some term to it, like two to three years max. Yeah. It's definitely a fit that I could see working. He also has a bomb of a shot. He's a really good release. Like, um, I, I, so I kind of want to stab at this before you do, Garth. I love that, ahead. uh, player comparison to like talk about Millsy. If we traded Heronic, Millsy is such a good player to bring in if the Wings were to get rid of Heronic because that's a right handed shot that can run, can run a power play, especially if Letty's gone too, which Letty yeah. more than likely will be gone. I, I, I don't see. Really, realistically, I, I see like a two to three year contract, like you said, would be good at the age of 30. And I, I think he's criminally underrated because he has been in Buffalo. But when he was in Vegas, he really made a difference there. 
Well, even when he was in Vegas, he was playing like they were, I mean, the team caught fire the first year and they're unbelievable. And that's uh, like he was playing on their start off in their third pairing and he worked his way up to the second, but he always played second power play unit, whether it was a single D man running it or they had the two D men running it. But he was always on the second power play unit and he was under guys like Shea Theodore who had a breakout season that year. Um, oh, who am I drawing a blank on? They had a couple other solid D. Derek but I can't. Yeah, well, I think he was actually a partner for a little bit, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like, Nate Schmidt, so like, Nate Schmidt would have been on the team. Yeah, Nate yeah, Schmidt. Yes, a good Schmitt, puck yes. mover. Yeah. So, like, 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 so I'm glad you kind of like you agree with me on that because I wasn't sure if it was just like a biased thing because of the whole lo- locality thing. No, but, no, no. I, and I that is what needs to happen too. If we do somehow make a move with Ronick, which I at this point I'm, I I'm very open to. And actually, I kind of want I want it to happen. I, I don't think there's many people that do see it the way we've kind of decided we see it. But I, I honestly, truthfully do think that he should be moved. And uh, that stems to either looking at free agents or just starting to bring in guys like and testing out McIsaac. And then I, I do believe that Edvinson will be on the team next year. But having a right-hander that can shoot the puck very well – wouldn't hurt right and more yeah, responsible defensively he's also a big body he's not afraid to lay the body like miller does, or miller isn't sorry yeah like and yeah he has the offensive side to his game but he also is defensively responsible i mean he's kind of on an island in buffalo at times so like his highlights if you watch the last year and a half two two seasons it doesn't look good but you look back when he was breaking the league with boston and that was a tough lineup to crack. And then he finally got a chance in Vegas. He really kind of flourished there. And they signed him to a three or four year deal at three and a half, which they had to ship him out because of cap issues. And uh, yeah, so he haven't really heard, seen or heard much of him since then. But again, he's on an island in Buffalo. Like, yeah, he has, um, well, Ras, when he plays with him, he's really good. Mm-hmm. they look really well they complement each other well but they just can't afford to pair those two guys together yeah right um uh, and then like talking about like our return we can see from Hronik. we've seen in the past especially like right-handed defensemen they go for a premium i mean you can look at Ra- rasmus ristolainen's deal that mm-hmm. buffalo brought in for the 14th overall pick and uh wasn't it another was it a second as well something like that Sorry. it was something along those lines either way also Hronik Hronik's better than rasmus ristolainen that's not a stretch no. Um, we've seen what Ronick's cable like in 1920. He was legitimately like a good defenseman, I think. Anyway, he's just like last year, especially, he didn't adjust well to what should have been a better situation with guys like John Merrill and Stetcher that are brought in to lighten the load. Mark Stahl as well. He got worse. Um, but I talk about like teams like you want to take advantage of teams that are in a tough situation that are cap locked. Like we saw with the Red Wings, took like another thing, like people I compared it to the Anthony Mantha situation last year. Where they played a similar amount of time, Mantha played five years for Detroit. Hironics on his fourth year. Both just signed new extensions, and both are cap locked at their number. Which for teams that need cap space, that's valuable because you can plan ahead with that. Vancouver is a team that has openly said they're trying to move guys like Brock Besser, who makes whose qualifying offer he's going to make seven and a half million dollars at least if he like just wants his qualifying offer. He can go to UFA, right? Vancouver can't afford that. I'm not saying like. Also, yeah, I saw that people were like, well, we don't need another forward. Yeah, because Detroit's offense is so good at scoring goals. Shut up. 
it's ridiculous. I, I don't like, I, I, I understand like where I can see like people complaining like, oh, we're going to fit Bergeron and stuff. It's like, you can, you figure it out. Like you rather have too much than too little. It's also about getting the asset. Uh, I can also see a situation where you get like a first round pick and stuff. You can also flip it for a different defenseman. Another one who's on the market, like you put it towards a Jacob Chikrin package, right? You stuff like that. You get creative with it. Eisman's not dumb. He's no, also done moves I, in the past. He's done moves where like people have viewed the core, right? Like Jonathan Duran was viewed as the core in Tampa Bay, was traded for Sergachev, right? Man, and he's done it with Mantha too. Guy was viewed being the core and got he traded for Verona. He's smart about this. He knows what he wants. And ultimately, like Grant, like we've talked about like his profile with defenseman Eisman's. Chronic doesn't fit that. And you know, my favorite part, like you just brought up the Iserman's not dumb, which makes me think this is more than more than possible of happening. Like there's, there's a good chance, especially on, like you said, the contract that he's on. And if he puts him on the market, teams will take a look for sure because it's a right-handed defenseman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's, no, Team- he's noted as an offensive defenseman. So like he is noted as that right so that adds a little bit more value too yeah a team like philly a team like philadelphia who's like openly said that they're trying to only quickly turn it around they're not trying to rebuild they're gonna make some stupid decisions well this is it right i just i just don't know if philly is my first team i look to like you saying that because they just made two trades for two right-handed defensemen this offseason Risto's a UFA. Yeah, they're going to re-sign him. They want to re-sign him, but... Yeah, I know, but... Justin Braun's also UFA. Yeah. So, I mean, they have holes, man. Um, Sanheim, yes. I like Sanheim. I do love Sanheim. He's a good player. I like, yeah. It was, I mean, one kind of, trade, it was like a rumor that they're talking about between the, the wings uh, going for... Uh, Connect me, which I'd love, because that's just two for two. That's, I don't think that's, that's a, a rumor. That was a fan proposed. Yeah, okay, yeah, but like it was always like I don't know, but I, I'd love to see that happen because I love TK's game, even though it's yeah, yeah, I added forced. that as well because like that's a guy who's been viewed in Philly as like one that like he hasn't been playing up to standard. Was it was right. it Eric Ingles that said something about Jeff Petrie? Yep, it's it's that time of year where people are like, Well, Jeff Petrie's from Michigan, yeah. obviously, Detroit will be interested. Yeah. And I think Jeff Jeff Petrie is better than I mean he's looked better of late since under Marty San Luis because weird Marty San Luis can motivate good players. Yeah, I think Jeff Petrie's a good player, but it doesn't make sense at his number and how much contract he has left. Yeah, it would be a fun story because I mean his dad was obviously the pitcher of the Tigers like back in the day, and he still works for Valley Sports Detroit. Yeah. Right, his dad does. Um, remember, I mean, remember a conversation last year about Petrie where because he was on such a heater last year, and <clears throat> we were talking about how I thought he would make the Olympic team this year. He was great. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Like, I honestly thought he'd be, like, obviously a, lo- a lower-end defenseman for the team, but I thought he would be on there. He was a he definitely last night. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's good. He's legitimately good. Yeah. That's not – but, yeah, um, but yeah the Hornic, obviously this Hornick conversation takes us into the trade deadline itself. Uh, and I have Hornick. I'm writing an article right now about guys who could be moved and what they could go for. And, like, I have categories, right, because Detroit's in an interesting spot where – well, obviously, we're only, I mean, I only, we're 10 points back of Boston with the, the Boston also has a game at hand. Likely, we're not going to make it, but I can see like a justification. It was like, all right, like these guys have earned the opportunity to like keep going. 
but there are ways to like sell i think the hockey guy on youtube i don't know if you guys watch his stuff like i think he's great um he's got like i don't know like three hundred thousand subscribers he's been doing it for a long time um but he did like a video about the red wings like how they could sell and still be competitive and it's with guys like nick letty who's not exactly helping the team move him and arguably what's most valuable to the team is cap space right now and the Red Wings didn't move last year for retaining on David Savard's contract. We got a fourth round pick for a million bucks. Yeah. That's what it was. And you know who the, that fourth round pick turned out to be? We traded that to Vegas, who wanted to move up. Those turned out to be Red Savage and um, Liam Dower Nielsen. Yeah. Right. Which is two guys now, now we view with value. So you don't know what that's going to turn into. Also, like those picks can be made for. Obviously, there's big names in the market like Claude Giroux and Joe Pavelski who are going to have a lot bigger of a cap hit and it's going to be more money retained. So, obviously, the pick would be higher. We moved a third-round pick for Alex Nadalkovich. You can make smart moves like that with teams that are in desperate situations. Or not desperate situations, but teams that want to move on from players. And you can make smart picks that end up helping your team in the now. Obviously, it's hard to predict those. Like, I can't just be like, oh, yeah, the Red Wings are going to trade for what looks to be maybe a future starting goalie for the team, right? Right. So another pick. So you just bring that up because, like, I that's where I kind of want to see the wings because we have the cap space, we have the value of obtaining assets that way. And I saw because with um, one with the trade history between Detroit and Vegas, like we've been given back and forth picks for players and et cetera, et cetera, since the existence of the Golden Knights. One uh, rumor came across because of Laner being out would be Flower to go back to. Vegas, but they don't have the cap space at all for that. I wouldn't mind if the like Stevie put it in there is it okay? We'll take we'll take Flower, we'll take half his salary and then flip him to Vegas, which that still wouldn't work out because he's at seven and a half, and they're already over yeah. So half. Chicago would have to retain half, which would put it down to roughly what is that like three? It, so it'd be three something. It'd be three three point yeah something like that. Three seven and five. and then Detroit retains and it'd be. I'm not great at this math at the top of my head. A little under two. Right. So, obviously, it's still quite a bit of space that they have to make. But, I mean, it makes it easier for a team. Even, like, I know Colorado's not looking for goalies, but, you know what I mean? Like, teams like that, yeah. Edmonton even. Cost-effectively, right. um, Vegas does not have enough room to make that move. I know you're only talking in theory, but there's yes. no way they could pull that off with asset-wise where a team like Colorado could. I, I know what you're saying, but there's just – and uh minimal things that vegas can do they're so cat pinched yeah well that's like they're gonna have to make a big move i think what they would have to do yeah like somebody would have to be shipped out for sure um i saw something about riley smith for georgiev oh that's a possibility yeah for short term because obviously if leonard's out long term i mean just run with guys i even said maybe if they figure out something with thomas grice if, you, yeah. if Detroit retains on Thomas Grice and you work like that. Uh, a Grice and Brossois tandem. Brossois is a starting goalie in Toronto. <laughs> That's funny. That's good stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, obviously Detroit has to be careful because they're already retaining one salary on Richard Panic's deal, which kind of I forget about. And if you want to trade Nick Letty, you're going to have to retain salary probably. You should, you should retain half and get as much as you can for him. I, I'm Because what's he making? Five point five 5.5 you get 1.25 or 2.25 uh i think you retain half of that and you trade for as much as you can because it's only for the year 
Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the one. That's the one that's going to need to be done. So you, you're left with one spot left. So you can be a middleman for one trade. Yeah. Which I like. We look at like Claude Giroux makes the most money. I just said like I mean, it makes some sense to get in the middle of that deal between like them and Colorado to get the say. biggest haul. Yeah. Makes the most sense. You get like maybe like instead a... of pick, bring TK over. Instead of a pick, <laughs> just throwing TK with. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, but or I mean, Sam another Hines. guy, an, another guy that like I would look to move that's not hurting anything would be like Carter Rowney. He has value. He's yep. played in the cup. He's played. He's won a cup, and he like was on the team for the whole year. He's got a ring, baby. Um, yeah, one of those. I, I and like he's been pretty solid this year. But I mean, you look at guys like when Mitchell Stevens gets healthy, healthy Joe Valeno's filled in on the fourth line. We don't need him. He's not crucial to the team if we want to stay competitive in that window, right? Like I don't think like the Red Wings could get away with not selling off the farm, and we could still stay competitive and be happy. Nick Letty hasn't been a huge impact player. Carter Rowney isn't. Thomas Grice, we can get away. With, we can get away with getting rid of because I mean, Calvin Pickard's proved he can be a backup goalie this year. I, I just you can't like. I do think Carter Rowney has value. You can't tell me that a guy that was on the fourth line last year for the Red Wings, Darren Helm, who plays on the fourth line for Colorado, is better than Carter Rowney because he is not. No, he's not. No shot right now. I think that's what. And that's on the best team in the league. Yeah. So and there like any are team... fourth line spots open in the league. Yeah. Like, I think like anything, like anything, like I think you get like a fourth round pick, which would be great. Maybe for not a guy we saw that high, but maybe fourth, fourth, fourth and fifth round pick. I think. Yeah. With it's a guy with Stanley cup, you, get, you all I has to do is be like, Oh, you want to stand a cup and just wave that in someone's face. Um, so I see those like moves as like something that the Detroit definitely should do. Those are definites. And then obviously there's like the guys that like could be half of the right price. Like I'm not going to say it. obviously as, as soft spots as I have for Vlad Nemesnikov and like Sam Gagne, if someone comes around and is willing to pay way more than they should, I'm going to, I'll do it. Vlad, I'm the one I want to hold on to most. Like obviously I want to resign him, but I mean, if someone comes around and it's like second round pick for Vlad. Yeah, I'm pulling the re- Resign him in the summer. He's up on his deal, right? Yeah, this year? that's where you talk to Vlad before you do it. You're like, are you okay with getting traded to a contender or whatever? And, and then, then coming back. And then come, then ask him if he wants to come back after. Yeah, right. Like, I, again, if, if, they're, if he's cool with that, I mean, that's a tough conversation to have, and they might players often get offended by that. And, I mean, Steve Eisman has traded Vlad and Mestikoff before. So, it's not yeah. out of the ordinary. So, it's kind of funny to think about. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously, Vlad's value is more, like, obviously the last deadline, I think, b- before he signed with the Red Wings, he got traded to Colorado for a fourth-round pick. He's to me, he's worth more than a fourth round pick on this team. So I don't see that especially, as an option. Especially after the year he's had. Yeah, exactly. So like if, if that's all you're getting, keep him. Uh yeah. Mark Stahl, I think he's valuable to a team if you want to like a bottom pair guy who can kill penalties. Again, he's a really good veteran presence. And again, if you're not getting more than like a late round pick for him, just keep him. And he has no trade clause, so he obviously controls that. So I don't think he's going to get moved. So, but I, I just have his name on the list. And Sam Gagne as well. I don't think he'll get moved either. And but he's been great in the penalty kill. Maybe someone does see value in that, right? He get he hit a good interview on Chicklets today, where he pumped up pump tires. And obviously, he's a guy that's really liked in the locker room. So that's yeah. a hard one. An easy one though might be Troy Stetcher, who maybe I do put up and should move. But I mean, if you trade other defensemen, then he'll get in the lineup. Uh, he, it's, I mean, again, in line rushes today, he's on the outs. He's not playing tomorrow. He's an extra. 
which I just think that's crazy for how serviceable he is. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I actually, like, I actually have a big soft spot for Stetcher because when he, like, that run in the bubble playoffs when he was within Vancouver, he was so phenomenal for them. And then he came over last year and he played really well for us. And then I thought, anyways, like, for the type of player that I was expecting to get, you know, um, yeah, he's he's just so mobile like for he's any he, i mean obviously he's not an offensive guy but he's able no. to transport the puck pretty well and he's a good guy for mark Stahl, who wants to get crazy sometimes he's also a good guy for if we're looking to make the playoffs in a couple of years and he's still around he's a good depth defenseman to have because i like seeing how he played in vancouver in those playoffs and in then in that bubble i think he if he can still obtain that he wouldn't be too terrible to have in the five, six spot or even seven and then just throw him in once in a while. Even going back to your, her, our Hornet conversation, you said signing Mil- Miller, we could just re-sign Troy Stetson right. too. Yeah. And be better. Yeah. In I theory. Agree. Like you move up Gus to the second pair, you pair him with Edvinson because I think that pairing is going to be the best fit. Because anyone saying that Simon Edvinson is going to be a good fit with Hornet has obviously hasn't seen Edvinson play. Yeah, Edmondson's not a guy who is going to play babysitter for Peronic. Yeah. He needs a babysitter, which is fine. Yeah. Like, that's what we want. We want, we want our, like, we want the horses to run. You know what I mean? I, but, I wouldn't say he needs a babysitter. He needs reliability, and Peronic can't opt for reliability. Or right. Like you have in Sweden Peronic this year, he needs a babysitter. Yes. Yeah. Like in Sweden this year, he has Christian Follen, who's been his partner most of the year in, uh, yeah, in Rolanda. Except for when Follen was in the Olympics. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, most of the year. Yep. And Christian Follen's a guy in the NHL when he played, he was a sixth or seventh guy who legitimately had no offense, would only play defense. Yeah. He was, like, I think he might have had a couple career goals. Like, it wasn't much. Uh, Mark so, like, Borowicki. <laughs> yeah, Mark Borowicki. Uh, yeah, like, Troy Stetcher, like, I think he does have value. Like, I see, like, a fit, like, with, like, like a team, if you were to get, like, Toronto even. Like the, with how much money he makes, and you could re- like if if you were to be able to work like another team in there. So I mean, if you're obviously you can't legally retain so many spots, but I think that's a guy like Toronto would really like, especially with the guy, uh, like like Jake Muzzin. His game has been so up and down lately, and he just got crushed last night. I don't know if he's hurt or not, but like he's a guy that obviously moves someone else up. Who that may be, I have no clue because Dermot's terrible in my opinion too. So. Like, I think Dermot's out of there after this this year. They're going to try and get rid of him. But uh, <clears throat> just for that depth on the D end. And it's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's kind of like put him and Justin Hall together. That's your that's your shutdown duo they had last year before Muzzin got hurt. Right. You know, and I think that actually adds a lot of value for to Toronto in that sense of what they're looking for on their back end. Yeah, like, I don't know. He's and, always struck me as a guy that would fit really well in Toronto. I don't know why. It's just the the way he plays. It's, it makes me think of, like, high tempo. He's able to play with pace in Toronto. I think I'm getting him and Hall. Him and yeah. Hall, long hair, 4,500s, just sick defensively. Yeah. It's good buckets. Oh. Everyone hates yeah. Hall in Toronto, but, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, obviously, that's those are guys I can think for, like, the, for the right price. Obviously, I like them all. And it'd be tough. Like, I'd be like, oh, sad to see. It'd be like with John Merrill last year. I was like, I was bummed to see John Merrill go, but I get it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, like, obviously, we talked about Verona because, like, I think I have him listed as, like, a dark horse because, obviously, it's hard to predict a guy who's under contract to get traded. Um, at the beginning of the year, I would have said maybe Rattuzzi. 
but at this point, I he's I don't see him as a guy that gets moved. I view him as the core. Yeah, he can't move for Z, in my opinion. If he gets moved, I'm never talking about the Red Wings ever again. <laughs> I'm serious. Like he he is the heart and soul of the Red Wings. Like, you hear that, Steve? You hear that? Yeah, motherfucker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I got a little bit carried away. <laughs> there, goes the, there goes the clean rating. Um, yeah, throw five. Yeah, with her. Yeah, with Heronic again, uh, it's he definitely has ability offensively, but it's just so here hit or miss. Like I said in the article, I think when he got scratched initially this year, that first game we got back against Washington, I thought he was one of our better players that game. He made that really good pinch up and he set up the Ernie goal to make it 2 1 that game. That didn't count. That was that was against Mantha. H. Okay. That was Mantha making a lazy play. We come full circle. A guy who got traded last deadline making it around the guy who, or the guy going around him was going to be the guy who gets moved this deadline. Yeah. We come full circle. Uh, but no, like, again, I think Heronic does have some ability. And I get why fans are wanting to hold on to him. Again, this is a guy we had a lot of hope for. He played a ton of minutes, way too many minutes. And I think we viewed him as more than what he is. If he could figure out his game, I, I do think he can be a top four defenseman, but it's just like – on the Red Wings and where we're at, I think we need to sell high when we can. Yeah. While he has his most value with the, the most term, because that's the thing at deadlines, it's hard, like hard to judge how much like a player will get with only like as a UFA, only teams that are going all in will pay the big bucks for a UFA defenseman where other teams are a little hesitant. But if you give him a guy with term, they'll give up the same amount. Like they'll give up that big price tag for a guy with term. And he's only what twenty three or twenty four years old. Twenty four. Yeah. So that that also adds value too because they say your true core is between like twenty six to twenty eight ish. Your best yeah. hockey. Right. For for, sure. for NHL lifer, you know. So for sure. that, like that adds more value too on onto that as well for a team to be an optimistical at least. Yeah. Uh, another guy I have on, like, another guy I have on the list is Dina, who we've talked about at length, obviously. Um, I'm more the camp that I don't think it's going to happen this deadline. I can see a fit if we're, like, throwing in a package for something, then maybe that makes sense. But um, I like the idea of trying to keep him out on the first line or in the top six as much as you can this season and try to, like, work with him a little bit. And obviously his, his values hasn't been lower ever. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to sell at this point. And obviously I've, I've said, I said this earlier, Eisman's a smart dude. He knows what, he knows what Zidane's value is. So I do like what he's done with Larkin and Raymond. It, he just needs to start putting at the points because that's ultimately what, what he's going to, what he needs to do to be a good NHL, like a, like a great NHL player. I think where he's at right now, he can be a fine bottom six player at this point, but he's, he's a six overall pick and you want, you want more from the six overall pick. Correct. So yeah, that, that's another one I'm watching, uh, and I don't know if I should put this on a dark horse or like guy we should try to move, but Adam Ernie. I think like I think that's we've just seen... more us wanting. I'm really curious to see if that would happen, but I just want him gone. Yeah, I, I kind of just view it as like maybe it's a decision made flat over Ernie, right? Because Ernie, like they kind of play, they'll be in a like, similar position next year with more youth coming in guys like Berggren and Soderbloom possibly pushing for spots, Joe Valeno hiring out a full-time spot, probably another UF, like a UFA signing to go on the offense. 
there's a lot of spot, like there's a lot of positions taken and Ernie, I don't know what he's going to be bringing to that. And teams have proven in the, fa- the past, like we've seen Ernie when he's at his best, he's able to play down low with the puck pretty well. He's able to crash bodies and, you know, play off the cycle. And we've seen like teams like Tampa and stuff with that guy with that extra year pay a little bit extra at the deadline for a guy like that. I'm not saying Adam Ernie's as good as Blake Coleman or Barkley Goudreau, but you know what I mean? Like he could fit that same style. Right. I don't know if I'm off on that. It could be. I mean, he has familiarity in Tampa too. It all depends on circumstance, right? Adam Ernie plays his best when guys are moving their feet all the time. And, uh, I think part of it is him and Rasmussen feed off each other. And some nights they're just both not moving their feet. And that's when that line looks the worst. So having him with a guy that is always moving, I don't know. I, I feel like he could be a pretty serviceable guy, depending. So there's value there. Yeah. yeah. Especially, I mean, especially be- a team like Tampa who plays high octane too. Yeah. Like you, like yeah. you mentioned the, the speed, everything. That, if, if his line mates are going, he's going. So Well, even, yeah, even you have – your whole first and second line going that makes you want to move because some yep. nights maybe the Red Wings aren't going and Ernie just takes a night off. Yeah. Right. For sure. Passenger. For sure. Yeah. So it'll be interesting moving to the deadline, obviously. Like, yeah, it's now a little under a month away and I'm excited to see what the Red Wings do because this is the first year in a couple of years where we're not full on. I'm like, all right, let's see who we're selling. It's more so I'm curious what we're going to do. I mean, I think we should, sell a couple pieces but it's not necessarily the whole team where i thought yeah. last year all of a sudden like halfway like literally when it hit three o'clock i'm like well i was pretty underwhelming and then eisman drops the mantha bomb or kevin weeks i should say broke the news and it was like well guess what mantha the capitals and grant and i on facetime freaking out because we didn't know what the return was yet and yeah so we get i i think eisman at this point i think he's gonna do some i think he's gonna do some fun stuff and i think something like this is gonna happen i have a feeling if I did, you know, bet US would let me put a little Larkin for coin. a third. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? It's kind of a perfect segue going into Larkin. Uh, got injured, left practice early. I'm a little scared. Hopefully, it's just another maintenance type, not maintenance, but like precautionary. Hopefully. Um, it was right before power play practice, and guys don't like to miss their power play reps. That's all I got to say. If, we, if, they, if they was like the end of the day, you know, a little, little bagger to end the day, you know, I'd fake an injury too. It's all good. Yeah. Happy <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, the Red Wings, I loved what they were doing at their bottom six the past two games. I mean, Joe Valena was their third line center. Michael Rasmussen was playing less than eight minutes a night. And uh, Andy had an idea, but first I'm going to tell you what happened at practice like the past couple of days is the Rasmussen, Ernie, Nemestikov line is back together and Valeno's in the minors. Uh, we can talk about Valeno's performance over the weekend, but Andy had a, like a couple ideas going from our Verona conversation in the last episode, what a fit could be. Yeah, so listening to the episode, obviously I was not. Um, you guys are talking about different line combinations where Verona's going to fit in and Grant, well, both of you guys kind of agreed, but I think Grant brought the conversation up as to put him down in the lineup first just to get a couple of reps in. And I wouldn't, like what I mentioned, this is obviously before Valano went down, but I wouldn't mind him seeing, like seeing him with basically call it the V-line, Verona, Vlad, and Valano, and then keep um, Zadina up on that first line for a few games 
few extra games just to give him more reps, see if he catches fire a little bit, especially with bringing his competition back in, you know, because everyone kind of assumed that's where Ron is going to fit in once he gets back into game shape. And, I mean, gives us a little bit more, obviously, offensive depth because you keep the – you have three lines that can kind of score at that point. You have Rana as a goal scorer on the third line. You have Raymond, Larkin, and hopefully Zadina catches fire. And then you have the Guelph line, which has been on fire since they've been put together, really. Just for a few games until he gets back into game shape is what – I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Give well, him yeah, power, I think... Give him his power play reps, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Find more ice time that way, but seeing a little combination like that would be kind of fun. And then just whoever your fourth line is, just kind of seven, eight minutes a night, six minutes a night. It is what it is. Right. Go ahead, Grant. I just think, like, especially now with Valeno down in the minors, it's going to make it even more interesting to see what happens with Verona. Yeah. There's no, there's no way that Verona should be playing with Rasmussen. Rasmussen. Oh my gosh. If anyone's going to the minors, it should be Rasmussen over Valeno. There's no <laughs> shot that Rasmussen has been any. I'm not, it's not funny. It's literally not funny. Valeno has been moons above Rasmussen, especially yep. these last couple of weeks. And it, it even showed Blashell had the last game that we played, Blashell had Valeno over Rasmussen. Rightfully so. First time all season. Rasmussen has not been good. There's no reason that he should be in the lineup over Valeno. And I know that that sounds probably bad because, okay, yeah, he's they're investing so much in him, but I honestly don't care. I, I, I think they're in a spot where it's Flano or Rasmussen. Honestly, in, in my eyes, it's Flano or Rasmussen for the future, and Valeno is my pick. Yep, I agree. Absolutely. And start putting your resources towards him. Yeah, it's like I don't get like what the – I mean, obviously, Valeno's an easy option, let's say, like, just strictly off of roster management. Valeno's easily – he can go up and down without waivers, right? Right. So, Carterani coming back, and Carterani can play center. So, I guess I, I understand from that sense. But, like, he is playing better, so you, don't you want your best team out there? And I thought that line of uh, Valeno, Ernie, Gagne actually showed some flashes of being good. I mean, Ernie is forced to keep up with Valeno, which then in turn makes him move, move his feet. And um, Gagne is just so smart to fill in. Yeah, he has that and it, of smart knowledge. Exactly. Yeah, Ganya can fit it anywhere. He's yeah. he's good. He's smart like that. Yeah. Um. So I just don't get like how you know Rasmussen. I think he played a total of like six fifty eight. I think in that game, which is his lowest of the year. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Third line's back. Let's yeah. ride. And a game you won. So I'm confused. Uh, personally, I mean, uh, Joe Valeno went like when he's gone down. I mean, he went down for that little break the Red Wings had uh, last week. Two games, four points, and then these past two games, I think he also had, he had three or four points again. Well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe too. Like I should look at it both ways. Maybe they're just like, maybe Valeno is our guy. Maybe they do look at it like Rasmussen or Valeno. Let's build Valeno up right now in the AHL. Let him ride with maybe Bergeron because maybe that's the future. Valeno and Bergeron on a line or something like that. Maybe you want these guys to click together and get some reps. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. and again, he's like, I, I get it from like the, yeah, with the roster standpoint and Flano has been great down there. And that's, a, that's obviously a conversation that Eisman would have had to have with Flano or, or Horkoff, obviously, and being now the GM of Grand Rapids and that's, uh, and, you know, development staff and, uh, and I'm sure they, yeah, with the way he's playing, I'm sure they had a conversation. I'm not worried about his development or anything. 
I mean, that's 10, also points, something... 10, 10 points in 11 games, too. He's been great. Right. Well, that's also something I didn't think of until you just brought it up is him getting sent down maybe gives Horkoff another, a closer look at him and just kind of gives him a little bit more confidence. I mean, it's the GM, not the coach. He's a GM down there, not the coach. But, I mean, you still have player GM meetings, I'd say, at least twice a month, I'd say, like every other mm-hmm. week maybe. So maybe it just gives um, – because, like, like, he hasn't been playing a whole lot in Detroit, like third, fourth line, depending on the night. So maybe Steve's trying to take advantage of this time, of this asset he has, send him down let Horkoff watch him because he's been in player development and everything like we've all said. And then he just kind of has his time to look at Rasmussen and say, make his final decision on it. If he hasn't made one yet type of deal. Right. Yeah. You it's know. just a bummer. Cause like, I, I liked your idea of him being with Verona. So I thought maybe there could be a fit there. And I think they, did they play, I think they played one game. It was like the last game of the season versus yeah. Columbus. They played together. It was yeah. the second um, last cause Leno didn't play the last. Oh, that's right. He got sent down that game. Yeah, he was just a late look. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I like um, the all the all line because Vlad, he's like we said, he's been pretty good for us this year. Up and up on the first line or down that third line, he's been one of the most consistent players when he's on the third line. I find we all kind of find, I assume, right? Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, and it, like uh, I said, it just gives us a different look because we know Larkin and Raymond can score, that golf line can score, and then you have kind of a guy in. Vlad, who does a little bit of everything, a little bit, and then a playmaker and Joey V, and then Vron of the goal scorer. So that adds a little bit more scoring depth up front for a few games. Yeah. And I, Grant and I had a conversation about like it was off air, off camera and off air, obviously. But um, you talked about maybe the possibility of Bergeron staying down another year because you look at what Eisman had in Syracuse, where you had the culture built up of guys like Tyler Johnson and Alex Kalorn. Uh, Andre Pilat playing like overseasoning in the AHL and I think Valeno obviously would be NHL ready next year but maybe he's like part of like starting that new wave and getting some chemistry built up in there you work at it that way and then you're in you're inserting guys into the system like I likely I know Grant and I joke we joke about the beginning like I want to start around pushing for for a spot but I, likely he's gonna start in the minors which is completely yeah. fine um Albert Johansson down there next year Emil Vero probably going back like to GR, like you have a lot of young guys coming in where you're gonna need to cross Hannes, another guy, maybe Master Simone. You're gonna have a lot of forwards down there too. I think this is really interesting what you just brought up here about how like he's like obviously we've talked about it to not this extent, just basically me saying that I think there's a good chance that Bergeron could stay in the minors next year just to let him blossom. Like even like they used to do in Detroit where Nyquist and Tatar, they became to become very good NHLers. And I think Bergeron's kind of on that level-ish of Tatar and Nyquist-esque. Like you said, Pilat and maybe not Pilat, but Johnson and stuff. I, I, I think it's a really interesting conversation because you bring up guys like McIsaac and maybe Valeno is going down there for that reason is to build chemistry with guys that could be a part of the future. And I, I know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think there is a good possibility Bergeron does stay to let him blossom. Again, if that's the plan and, like, you want that to happen, clearly fine. Like, I get it. And it makes sense. And you make some signings, like some short-term signings to shore up. Like, a guy like Nemestikov is, can stay in that third-line position that Berkman probably would have been in. And you're fine. Like, it's not a huge issue. Um, my I, I issue is, obviously, like, Nyquist, he was 25, I think, when he was full-time. And yeah. He, whatever, he scored, like, 50 points in 57 games. And 
it's probably too late, but whatever. I, I just want Berger to get a taste this year and you really like see where he's at, like get like a little five game stint and you see where he's at and you make that decision afterwards. And then after training camp next year, I, I don't want him just to sit in the minors is not what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, I would yeah. like to see him in the NHL before you make any decision. Right. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, yeah. I've liked what I've seen from a especially I'm really excited about him. I'm just happy that he's playing full time. And I can't believe I didn't lead with this. Andy, uh, did you have a fresh pair of shorts around you when you saw the Luke Witkowski backhand goal this past weekend? Uh, I did not, unfortunately, which made for a sloppy old mess, but unbelievable. Unbelievable. What are, like, why is he not with us? Why is he not in the wings? And if, if, I, I, if, I remember, if I remember correctly, the second episode of our one out of our, our second episode of our two episodes we did with the old podcast, the Shall Remain Nameless. Uh, I think I think we covered Luke Wikowski's first career goal, which was a was a backhand breakaway as well. So some shades of that, I think. Yeah, back to the glory days. Bring it was kind of like it was similar. So like uh, I'll, I'll throw it back. So Edvinson fed Soderblom for a long range stretch pass that Soderblom scored on as an absolute ripper, and then McIsaac did the same thing to Witter, like that same day, just later in the day, which I thought was really funny because they were like kind of similar plays. And it's, from- just, it's just a better duo is. Uh... McIsaac and Wikowski. Well, yeah, obviously, yeah. but I mean, it's besides the point. Um, but yeah, can we talk about S- Soderblom scored again today? He's now on a seven-game point streak. Ten points in those seven games. Yeah, he's great. Four-game goal streak. He's fourth in SHL scoring, I think, right? Goals. He'll get a look in the NHL next year. I think so. He and he's six foot eight. We're gonna see six foot eight forward in the NHL next year on the Detroit Red Wings. Hilarious. It's gonna be so funny. Um, but yeah, Edmondson's looked good in his return. Uh, like from back, he's starting to get comfortable again. And I keep, bomb- I'm gonna keep banging the Jarek McIsaac drum. I think we still have a player there, a guy who's got knocked down from injury so many times. But I've really, I've really liked what I've seen. Yeah, and it kind of- it's, I think it's just been like we've always kind of had our hopes up for him, but like you said, injury after injury, the last few years, I think even when like his draft year he got injured too or maybe the year before can't remember but he's that's the only scary part is if he keeps having injuries and i don't know how many surgeries he's had but that's the only scary part but hopefully it pans out where he uh cracks the lineup and makes a difference too right yeah uh obviously i'm excited for to see where he's at um yeah red wings play tomorrow night versus colorado uh it could be a fun game if Dylan Larkin's in the lineup. Will not be a fun game if Dylan Larkin's not in the lineup. I'll tell you that for free. Uh, then we play Toronto on Saturday again, another hockey night in Canada. And I, I think I'm pretty confident. Like I think I might put money on that one with BetUS. I might do a little uh, Red Wings win over Toronto. Simply, they're due. They're due to beat Toronto this year. That's just my fan take, I guess. But I'm gonna. Do Is it, it in Detroit? Yep, they're in. They're oh, in Detroit that, again. That's so free. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I was thinking they're in Toronto. I was thinking they're in Toronto, and after their the clapping they took last night to Montreal, go mm-hmm. Habs. Um, Habs, Habs, your baby. Yeah, Gold Caulfield's back in the lineup or back in. Back oh my in gosh, he's, dude, he's looks so good. He was the best player on the ice last night. Yeah, him and Josh he, Anderson. A couple uh, short kings that. running. A couple short king, kings running the team, baby. He looks Ross so good. Hilly. I'm happy for him. That's a good, that's such a cool, it's a cool story, obviously. 
with his idol coaching the team now. Oh yeah, he looks so good last night. I can't get over it. St. Louis is a silver fox. He, he did look good. Yeah. Yeah, he did yeah, look really true. good. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think I'll wrap this one up, though. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, support our partners inside the rink. A lot of good articles out there now. Uh, you can read my heroic piece. I'll have something out probably Thursday about the trade deadline. We kind of like recapped in this episode. And yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Peace.